The Sports Report is brought to you by iHome, the number one brand in digital audio. From lightning dock alarm clocks to rechargeable Bluetooth boom boxes and quality affordable headphones, iHome has you covered. To learn more, head to iHomeAudio.com. Welcome to episode number 315 of the Sports Report. I'm Paul Roberts on GrizzlyProductions.tv. New shows every Monday and Thursday on The Grizz. The show is free in the podcast section of iTunes. And you can follow me on Twitter at the Sports RPT. The Sports RPT on Twitter. Hopefully, Monday Night Football is as exciting as Sunday Night Football. What a comeback on the road by Chicago. Tonight, the Eagles visit the Colts. It should be a shootout. I'm leaning towards Indy, which means you should probably take the Eagles and the under. (laughs) We have a ton of injuries to talk about in the NFL. One of my Super Bowl teams is 0-2, the Saints. The Jets call a timeout at the absolute worst moment. The Cowboys, Patriots, and Redskins bounce back. The Chargers shock the Seahawks in Week 2. And Johnny Football actually got onto the field. (laughs) Big NFL segment coming up. I'll have the latest on Adrian Peterson and Ray Rice, as well as Greg Hardy. In college football, South Carolina and Georgia met in a classic. What a finish. There were some big upsets as well. What happened to USC? And the Big Ten looked like the little 14 again. College football on the way as well. It's all in episode number 315 of the Sports Report. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Paul Roberts here on The Grizz. Let's start with the 49ers. They showed off their new $1.2 billion stadium in prime time, but today nobody's talking about Levi's Stadium. What is it about these Sunday night games and crazy comebacks? Last week, the Colts trailed 31-10 with 10 minutes left and almost forced overtime at Denver. Last night, the 49ers were up 17-0 and 20-7 and blew it. Don't go to bed early is the moral of the story. A lot of people, especially on the East Coast, probably woke up today and said the Bears did what? Not one, not two, but three Jay Cutler touchdown passes in the fourth quarter led Chicago over San Francisco 28-20. to I am not a huge Jay Cutler fan just because of all the interceptions, the poor decision-making that we see at times, but last night he came through. Brandon Marshall, who is on my fantasy football team, caught three touchdown passes, just one problem. I didn't start him because ESPN reported Sunday morning that he was, quote, iffy. Iffy? He caught three touchdown passes. How hurt can he be? Darn you, Adam Schefter. (laughs) Cost me a fantasy football win. A big reason the Bears were able to come back was Colin Kaepernick. He tossed three interceptions and lost a fumble. He also lost his cool, used some foul language, cost him a penalty. He is very gifted athletically, and we all know that he can run. I still don't consider him an elite pocket 
passer, though. I still think he needs to work on his accuracy and those turnovers. You know, I harp on that every single week. Turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. He had four of them. Kyle Fuller made two late interceptions. The Bears secondary is banged up. Fuller came through. He really sparked the comeback. The 49ers also hurt themselves with 16 penalties for 118 yards. When you turn it over like that and you commit 16 penalties, you're not going to win. Both of these teams are one and one. Another NFC West power went down on Sunday. The Seahawks lost at San Diego 30-21. to Seattle's a great team. We all know what they did to Denver in the Super Bowl. But they are tougher at home with all that crowd noise than on the road. Three words. Time of possession. That was the key in this game. San Diego held the football for 42 minutes and 15 seconds. That is amazing. They ran the ball 37 times. They really weren't that effective as far as yards per carry. But when you run it like that, you chew up the clock. And it is tough to score when your offense is on the sideline. Antonio Gates may be 34 years old, but he can still play. Philip Rivers, who was outstanding in this game, hooked up with Gates for three touchdowns. Rivers finished 28 of 37, 284 yards, no interceptions. This is another example and really a theme on today's podcast, how the NFL is a week-to-week league. There is so much parity. Week one, Seattle dominates Green Bay. Everybody in the nation saw it. San Diego had a terrible fourth quarter and lost to Arizona. Week two, different story. The Bears looked shaky week one. The 49ers drilled the Cowboys. Look what happened last night. And there are more examples. You can never get too far ahead of yourself in the NFL. And that's why it's so popular and ratings are through the roof. Because each week, you may think you know, but you just never know. Every week is a new adventure. Look at New England. Some media bobbleheads and fans were doubting Tom Brady, Bill Belichick and company after one game. Are you kidding me? The Patriots went to Minnesota and won easily 30-7. to Relax, Patriots fans, okay? Take a deep breath. Everything's going to be okay. This team wins 10, 11 games every single season. And I understand Adrian Peterson did not play Matt Castle threw four interceptions, but it's still not easy to win on the road by 23 in the NFL. Chandler Jones gave New England a big lift on special teams. He blocked a field goal, then he picked it up and he returned it 58 yards for a touchdown. What an athletic display by big guy. That happened with nine seconds to go in the first half. A huge turnaround, a 10-point swing on that one play. Brady only passed for 149 yards and a score. New England overcame 15 penalties for a whopping 163 yards. You have to wonder when Teddy Bridgewater, the rookie out of Louisville, is going to get his shot at quarterback. Castle was abysmal. Speaking of quarterback changes, RG3 is out again. Enter Kirk Cousins. 
RG3 dislocated his left ankle in the first quarter. An ugly injury. He had to be carted off the field. You have to feel for this guy. ACL injury in college at Baylor. Another ACL injury in the NFL with the Redskins. Now a dislocated ankle. It's one thing after another after another. And these aren't little bumps and bruises. We're talking about serious injuries for RG3. Deshaun Jackson also got hurt. He injured his shoulder, came over from the Eagles, was a big addition to the offense, says he's day-to-day. We'll see about that. Jordan Reed, the tight end, already was out with a bad hamstring. No RG3, no Deshaun Jackson, no Jordan Reed, no problem. Cousins completed his first 12 passes Washington destroyed Jacksonville 41 to 10. Chad Henney was sacked 10 times, four by Ryan Kerrigan, the 10 sacks a franchise record. Washington looked like the 85 Bears with Mike Singletary and Richard Dent out there. Cousins was 22 of 33. It was a big day for former Michigan State quarterbacks. He threw for 250 yards, two touchdowns, came right in, drove him down the field for a touchdown. Backup tight end, Niles Paul, set a career high with eight catches, 99 yards, and a score. I tweeted at the Sports RPT that fantasy football players everywhere will be trying to pick him up. (laughs) They're Googling Niles Paul all of a sudden. The Redskins' nine-game skid is finally over. Jay Gruden got his first win as an NFL head coach. He has talked about having a pocket passer. Now he has it with Cousins. This is episode number 315 of the Sports Report. Much more coming up on the NFL. Adrian Peterson, Ray Rice, college football, and the old ball coach with a big W over the weekend. It's all on the way. But first, I want to tell you about our great sponsor. They've been with us forever, and that is iHome. Go to the website, iHomeAudio.com. Write that down, iHomeAudio.com. Look at all their terrific products Whatever you need, they have it. Docking stations, alarm clocks, stereo systems, speaker systems, headphones, earphones, much more. Take a look. You'll find something you like. They have all different kinds of sizes. So if you're looking for something small, if you want something big, something that's a a triple charging device, they have that as well. And their docking stations can work for your iPhone 5, your iPad, and your iPad mini. You can use the USB port to charge and play any secondary device as well. Check it out, iHomeAudio.com. Back to the NFL, covered the Redskins, now let's get to the Cowboys. Dallas did a 180 from week one when they were embarrassed at home by San Francisco. And this game was not all about Tony Romo. It was about Dallas running the rock 43 times for 220 yards. DeMarco Murray had a buck 67 and a touchdown on 29 carries. You almost never see NFL running backs get close to 30 carries anymore. Everything is spread the other team out and throw it around the field. They held the football for 41 plus minutes, very similar to what San Diego did to Seattle. Romo only threw for 176 yards in this game. 
Jake Walker tossed two interceptions. So the Cowboys back at the 500 mark. Wild one at Lambeau Field. Green Bay was an eight-point favorite over Rex Ryan's Jets. The Packers trailed 21-3 in the second quarter. Eight-point favorite down 18. Then Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson went to work. By the way, I knew Nelson would go nuts because I was playing against him in both fantasy football leagues that I'm in. Story of my life. I sit Brandon Marshall because ESPN says he's iffy. He goes off. And then I play Jordy Nelson, who has a career day. Just my luck. Rodgers passed for 346 yards, three touchdowns. Nelson caught nine passes for 209 yards and an 80-yard touchdown late in the third quarter. That broke a tie at 24. What happened to Rex Ryan's defense? The Ryan brothers did not have a real good Sunday. We'll get to Rob Ryan in a second. And that 80-yard TD by Nelson would be the final score of the game. No one scored in the fourth quarter. It appeared that New York scored a tying touchdown on a 37-yard pass from Geno Smith to Jeremy Curley on fourth down with five minutes left. But, and this is a fat Albert-sized but, the Jets called a timeout right before the snap. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. The head coach is the only person by rule who's supposed to be able to call a timeout. Rex Ryan did not. Offensive coordinator Marty Morningwig was clearly signaling timeout. And then after the game, we learned defensive lineman Sheldon Richardson blamed himself for leaning over and telling the ref that the Jets wanted a timeout. I mean, this was very bizarre. One second, you think, oh my God, they just tied this game up on a long touchdown pass on fourth down. The next moment, it's wiped off the board with a timeout. Jets fans have to just be sick to their stomach. Green Bay avoided going 0-2 for the first time since 2006. Their fans happy right now. New Orleans did not avoid an 0-2 start. Maybe I jinxed them. I don't know. I picked them to get to the Super Bowl. The Saints lost at Cleveland 26-24 on Billy Cundiff's 29-yard field goal with three seconds remaining. That kick came after a 28-yard pass from Brian Hoyer to Andrew Hawkins with 13 seconds to go. Hawkins was wide open. The Saints blitzed. It was an all-out blitz. They blew the coverage in the back end. It really should have been a touchdown for Cleveland, but the throw was uh, behind the receiver, Hawkins. Sean Payton and Rob Ryan were exchanging some heated words on the sideline in the fourth quarter. That's what happens. You blitz and you don't get there. You're going to be in big trouble. The Browns are missing Josh Gordon, Ben Tate, Jordan Cameron, their Pro Bowl tight end, but... It was the hometown hero, Hoyer, who was the star. He did not have great stats, but he also did not turn it over, and he was clutch on that final drive. Of course, some of the national media bobbleheads were drooling because Johnny Manziel got to play. He handed off twice, and he threw an incomplete pass. Big deal. 
This game was not about Johnny football whatsoever, but I guarantee you will see that incomplete pass on SportsCenter and all the other highlight shows a bazillion times just because it's Johnny football. The Saints have lost five straight regular season road games. Now, they did go to Philadelphia last season and win in the playoffs, but again, dome teams outside, hard to trust them. Mike Pettin earned his first NFL coaching win. Cleveland ended a nine-game losing streak in home openers. Some good news for the Browns. The Falcons, who beat the Saints week one, did not look like the same team at all in week two. Again, each week is a new adventure in the NFL. The Falcons lost at Cincinnati 24-10. The Bengals are 2-0 for the first time in eight years, and they won without A.J. Green, who left during the opening drive. He has a toe injury. The Bengals still put up 472 yards. Andy Dalton threw for 250 and a score. Matt Ryan had three interceptions. One week, the guy throws for 450 yards. This week, three picks for Matty Ice. I just don't trust the Falcons up front. On the offensive line, especially with the injury to Sam Baker, and on the defensive line, they have no pass rush. I just, I don't think they're physical enough. You know, people said they were after one game against New Orleans. Well, well, that's one game. How did they look in week two against Cincinnati? They look terrible in the trenches. I thought Carolina would take a step back this season, but here the Panthers are at 2-0. and The defense is phenomenal. Cam Newton is back. The Panthers beat the Lions 24-7. to The Panthers' defense had three takeaways and four sacks. Newton threw for 280 and his score, once again, hard to trust dome teams on the road. You see it with a team like New Orleans and now the Lions. Uh, Seattle is another team, great home field advantage. And they are good on the road, but... Yeah, you know, not nearly the same team that they are when they're in front of those fans who just go crazy. Lions very sloppy in this game, and their rookie Nate Freeze missed two field goals. When you mention the word sloppy, the Giants come to mind. Could it be another 0-6 start in New York? The Giants turned it over four times, committed nine penalties, lost at home to Arizona 25-14, The Giants also gave up a go-ahead 71-yard punt return touchdown by Ted Ginn Jr. in the fourth quarter. And that's why they got this guy, came over from Carolina. The Cardinals are 2-0. They traveled across the country and won an early game. This was a 1 o'clock kickoff on the East Coast. And they did it without their starting quarterback. Carson Palmer was out of this game. He was a late scratch due to a nerve problem in his shoulder. Drew Stanton saw his first time in four years. Cardinals were up eight with five minutes to go. The Giants had a shot. They're driving. Rashad Jennings caught a short pass, lost his footing, and fumbled without even being hit. Just coughed it up at the 15-yard line. Critical mistake. And that play sums up the G-men right now. Eli Manning also threw two more interceptions. Miami looked great in the second half versus New England last week. Yesterday, the Dolphins lost at Buffalo by 19. That is the NFL. 
29-10 was the final. Look at Joe Flacco and the Ravens. They were getting ripped after their opener. Then they crushed Pittsburgh 26-6 on Thursday night. Bills are 2-0. The game began with a tribute to the late Ralph Wilson, a very emotional day in Buffalo. Wilson, a Hall of Fame owner who passed away in March. The Clemson connection, C.J. Spiller and Sammy Watkins came through. Spiller had a 102-yard kickoff return. Nine minutes later, Watkins caught a 12-yard touchdown pass. That put Buffalo up 23-10 in the third quarter. Miami lost to Sean Moreno to an elbow injury in the first quarter. So not only did the Finns lose the game, they lose their number one running back. Speaking of injuries... Jamal Charles left the Chiefs-Broncos game with an ankle injury. He only had two carries. I mean, this guy was the number one fantasy football pick in a lot of drafts. The Broncos' defense could not get off the field on third down, but they did come up with two critical goal line stands, including one in the final minute. Big Terrence Knighton deflected Alex Smith's fourth down pass from the two to seal it. Denver is 2-0 after the 24-17 win. Peyton Manning, 21 of 26. Can't get much more efficient than that. Three touchdown passes. Kansas City, 0-2. The Chiefs were my surprise team last year. This season, I went with Houston, and the Texans are 2-0. They blew out the Raiders, 30-14. J.J. Watt, right, the defensive end, well... They used him at tight end, and he caught a short touchdown pass on the opening drive. Houston never looked back. Oakland had four turnovers. Arian Foster ran all over the Raiders, 138 yards and a touchdown. Tampa Bay is off to a disappointing 0-2 start. I thought the Bucks would be better. They lost at home to the Rams 19-17 on a 38-yard field goal with 38 seconds to go. Austin Davis is now the quarterback for St. Louis. Of course, Sam Bradford injured out for the season. Many of you could bump into Austin Davis on the street, probably wouldn't know who the heck he is. But he did a nice job at quarterback, 22 of 29, 235 yards. Rams win on the road by a deuce. This is episode number 315 of the Sports Report. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Paul Roberts on the Grizz, grizzlyproductions.tv. New shows twice a week on Mondays and Thursdays. The show is free in the podcast section of iTunes. And keep the tweets coming. Always looking for new followers and looking for your feedback about the show on Twitter at the Sports RPT. What stood out to you Week 2 in the National Football League. Now let's get to some news off the field. And and this season, it seems like all we've been talking about when it comes to the NFL is is things going on off the field. Viking star running back Adrian Peterson turned himself into authorities over the weekend. He was booked into the Montgomery County Jail in Texas early Saturday, released about a half hour later after he posted bond, which was 15 grand. Peterson has been indicted by a grand jury on charges of reckless or negligent injury to a child. He had been deactivated for the Vikings home game against the Patriots on Sunday. And that was interesting because at the time, 
Greg Hardy of the Panthers and Ray McDonald had not been deactivated. Now, Carolina changed its tune and they did end up deactivating Greg Hardy for yesterday's game. He has already been convicted of domestic abuse. He is appealing. I believe a trial is scheduled for November, but Coach Rivera decided he was not going to play Greg Hardy. Ray McDonald, on the other hand, of the 49ers, their defensive lineman, he was recently arrested for domestic violence, and he did play again last night for the 49ers in their loss to Chicago. So I don't know what San Francisco is waiting for here, but Carolina sat Greg Hardy, Minnesota sat Adrian Peterson. Peterson's attorney, Rusty Harden, said, quote, His client's conduct involves using a switch to spank his son. Peterson allegedly removed the leaves of a tree branch to strike the four-year-old child. His attorney says Adrian is a loving father who used his judgment as a parent to discipline his son. He used the same kind of discipline with his child that he experienced as a child growing up in East Texas. Adrian has never hidden from what happened. Peterson told police that the incident occurred in Texas in May as a punishment for his son pushing another one of Peterson's children. The boy suffered cuts and bruises to areas including his back, his ankles, his legs, and his backside. TMZ has posted the pictures. They're tough to look at. With a little kid, you see him injured like that. I'm a firm believer in discipline, but hitting a four-year-old with a tree branch, to me, that's not acceptable. And I understand what Adrian Peterson is saying, that, that that's how he was disciplined when he grew up. And I've heard other, not just NFL players, but other people in general say that, you know, how times have changed. Well, just because parents used to hit kids back in the day, guess what? That doesn't mean that it's right. And we're not talking about a little bit of a, of a spanking here. All right, you can see the bruises, you can see the cuts, the red marks all over this kid. And to me, that that's going too far. So Adrian Peterson is out, and uh, we'll see what happens as the legal process plays out with him. I have to talk about Baltimore fans here for a second, and I've ripped them before going back to the preseason when they gave Ray Rice two loud ovations How can people still wear his jersey? You want to explain this to me? It happened Thursday night in Baltimore. I I guess nothing should surprise me anymore. Do these people just want attention? Is that the case? They know that this game was on national TV. It was the only game, prime time. Are they just wearing the jerseys so maybe the cameras put them on TV? Hey, look at me. Because how can you support a guy who knocked his wife out cold, knocked her into a railing, lucky that she didn't die. I mean, if she would have hit that differently, maybe hit her neck, it could have been paralyzed, could have been killed when you're hit with that type of force. And yet, there are fans wearing his jersey at the game. Rice, by the way, is reportedly expected to appeal his indefinite suspension. And I said last week that I thought that was coming for a couple of reasons. Number one, he got a two-game suspension 
Then they changed the rule and made it six games for a first-time offender, which applies to Ray Rice. So not only did he not get six games, he got an indefinite suspension. There's talk he could be out the whole year. But that rule was also put into place after he had already been punished. He got the two games, then they changed the policy, then he was punished again. So I think the uh, Players Association, and they definitely have an argument here in Ray Rice's favor. I'm not trying to defend the guy. What he did in that elevator in Atlantic City was absolutely despicable. But I think the Players Association will be all over that on a couple of fronts. I, I just don't get wearing his jersey. I mean, of all the players on the Ravens, you have to wear your Ray Rice jersey after this happened, after the video came out. I, I don't get it. And I'm as big of a sports fan as anybody, okay? I watch sports all the time. I love sports. Football, baseball, basketball, watch it all. But I have some perspective here and understand that what happens in real life off the field is a heck of a lot more important than what happens on Sunday. And I think some sports fans, they really don't care what their players do off the field as long as they produce during the games. I really believe that. And this is an example. I mean, as far as heinous crimes, there's not a whole lot worse than hitting your wife, she was fiance at the time, hitting her in the face and knocking her out. And yet people are wearing his jerseys, you know? Just like when Michael Vick came back and he did do his time, spent a year and a half in prison, but initially there was a little bit, not much, there was a little bit of outrage in Philadelphia that the, the Eagles had signed a man who was sent to prison for killing dogs. And I'll tell you what, when he started to play well, he had that one big season, he was runner-up for MVP, everybody in Philadelphia was on board with Michael Vick because he was playing well. So we see examples of this time and time again. And I don't get it. I really do I think we've gone overboard with sports in our culture. I love sports, but still, you have to take a step back sometimes and say, man, I'm going to cheer for that guy? This is episode number 315 of the Sports Report. Let me know how you feel on the Adrian Peterson and the Ray Rice issues. I'm on Twitter at the Sports RPT, the Sports RPT. And also, do you think the Panthers made the right move sitting Greg Hardy? Let's go to college football. Week three only provided us with one matchup of top 25 teams. When I looked at the schedule last week, I really wasn't thrilled. We start down in Columbia, number six, Georgia at number 24, South Carolina. This was a thriller. The Gamecocks led most of the way. They got a last second 32-yard field goal to go up 11 at the half. They were up 10 with 13 minutes to play, but the Bulldogs kept coming and coming. Georgia was within three, had first and goal at the four-yard line late in the fourth quarter and could not score. The Dogs got nothing. Hudson Mason was called for intentional grounding on first down. 
Todd Gurley, who ran for 131 yards and a touchdown, got just three yards on second down. And then on third down, a pass was tipped incomplete. That brought out Marshall Morgan, who had set an SEC record with his 20th straight field goal Earl here in the game. This was a 28-yarder, a chip shot, right? A gimme, no problem. Oops. Morgan missed the field goal wide right with four and a half minutes to go. South Carolina iced it by picking up a fourth and short with 122 left. Dylan Thompson sneak barely, and I mean barely, got the first down. Georgia challenged the spot, but it was not overturned, and South Carolina won 38-35. Thompson played very well. 21 of 30, 270 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. He's taking over for Connor Shaw. Big shoes to fill there. The Gamecocks defense gave up a school record 680 yards to Texas A&M week one. We all remember that one, right? But they came up with a gigantic goal line stand in this one. Mark Richt admitted he should have pounded the ball on that last series. And you have Gurley, who was a Heisman Trophy candidate, ran for 130 yards on the day. Why not use him there? And they only ran the ball once. Say what you want about Steve Spurrier. The man beats Georgia. Period. He's won four of the last five in this rivalry and is 16-6 and six in his career against the Bulldogs. There were some upsets this weekend. Number nine, USC, was favored by 17 at Boston College. The Trojans led 17-6 in the second quarter. Boston College reeled off 24 consecutive points, and they did it the old-fashioned way. They ran right over USC. Pac-12 teams, West Coast teams, sometimes they have the reputation of being soft. Stanford, obviously, not in that conversation. But some of the other teams, and and this is going to add fuel to the fire, I'm talking 452 rushing yards. USC was coming off a huge win over Stanford. So some will call this a trap game. Bottom line, the Trojans got manhandled up front. Boston College only passed for 54 yards. Listen to these rushing totals. 452 to 20 in favor of BC. Quarterback Tyler Murphy sealed it with a 66-yard touchdown run with three and a half minutes left. The Eagles won 37-31. Murphy ran for nearly 200 yards. It's BC's first win over a top 10 team since 2004 versus West Virginia. This was a shocker. And road games at night, I say this all the time, they are very tricky. Look at Penn State. Needed a late 80-yard touchdown drive to beat Rutgers Saturday night in New Jersey. Nittany Lions trailed almost the entire game. This was the Super Bowl for Rutgers. They almost pulled it out despite Gary Nova throwing five interceptions. Penn State won 13-10. Christian Hackenberg, only a sophomore, so poised. He's going to be an NFL QB. He needs an offensive line. He was running for his life. The whole game. Uh, James Franklin's Lions and Nebraska. 
The only unbeaten Big Ten teams left. The Huskers blew out Fresno State 55-19 to Saturday night, one week after they snuck by McNeese State. The Big Ten, a.k.a. the mediocre 14, had more bad results this weekend. Iowa was a 12-point favorite at home versus Iowa State. Lost 2017 on a 42-yard field goal with two seconds remaining. West Virginia kicked a 47-yard field goal as time expired to beat Maryland 40-37 at College Park. Illinois got drilled at Washington 44-19. Minnesota got de-pantsed at TCU 30-7. Indiana lost to Bowling Green 45-42 on a two-yard TD pass with nine seconds to play. Michigan and Ohio State won easily, but that does not erase the fact that this conference has been brutal with a capital B so far. I believe the Big Ten is 1-9 or 1-10 versus teams from the five power conferences. That is pathetic. And Ohio State's loss at home last week to Virginia Tech looks even worse now after the Hokies lost to East Carolina. The Pirates were up 21-0 in the first quarter. This was not a fluke. They put up 500 yards in Blacksburg. Vatek tied it on an 18-yard TD pass from Michael Brewer to Cam Phillips with 120 to go. East Carolina would not be denied. They went 65 yards and did it in only three plays on the road. Scored a go-ahead touchdown with 16 seconds left. 28-21 was the final. Number 12, UCLA had a tough time with Texas at AT&T Stadium, the home of the Cowboys. Big story here, Brett Hundley injured, hurt his left elbow, left the game in the first quarter. Enter sophomore Jerry Neuheisel. That's right, the last name should sound familiar. He's the son of former UCLA coach Rick Neuheisel, and Jerry played very well. 23 of 30, 178 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, big performance for the young QB. UCLA trailed by four with five minutes to go. New Heisel hit Jordan Payton for a 33-yard touchdown with three minutes remaining to give the Bruins an exciting 20-17 win. The touchdown pass came after a huge 58-yard punt return. Now, here's something that should never, ever happen. UCLA started both halves with the football. The Bruins won the coin toss and deferred until the second half. Texas said it wanted to start on defense. What on God's green earth were they thinking there? Good grief. The Longhorns defense has given up 200 plus rushing yards in four of its last five games. Just another reason not to put your defense on the field first. Texas is 1-2. and two. Oklahoma's 3-0 after a 34-10 win over Tennessee in Norman. Trevor Knight passed for 300 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Justin Worley completed less than 50% of his passes, had two interceptions and a fumble. He was sacked five times. 
Julian Wilson went 100 yards for a pick six in the fourth quarter. That was the cherry on top. The Sooners never trailed. They controlled this game. Notre Dame was a four-touchdown favorite over Purdue, yet the Irish only led by three at halftime, and Purdue is a bad team. Boiler down. They lost to Central Michigan last week. Uh, they lost to Notre Dame 30-14 to this weekend. It was more competitive than most people thought. Maybe a letdown for the Irish after they waxed Michigan in a shutout in Week 1. Everett Golson threw for 259 yards, two touchdowns. He ran for another. This series is taking a break. It will resume in 2020. Notre Dame and Purdue have played every year since 1946. A lot of changes to that Notre Dame football schedule. Number 21, Louisville got upset at Virginia 23-21. Seven turnovers in this ACC duel. Four of the turnovers by Louisville. The Cavaliers almost blew a 13-point fourth quarter lead, but Ian Fry kicked a 42-yard field goal with 3.42 to go to win it. UVA ended an 11-game ACC losing streak. Their fans stormed the field, rightfully so. They don't have a lot to celebrate down there when it comes to football. Most of the top 25 teams won big, but USC losing to BC and the way BC ran the football, that really stood out. And the old ball coach gets it done again for South Carolina against Georgia. Overall, though, not a huge week in college football. Hopefully the upcoming uh, Saturday is better. This has been episode number 315 of the Sports Report. Don't forget to keep tweeting me at the Sports RPT. And uh, you can send a five-star review in the podcast section of iTunes. That helps to promote the show. We're with you twice a week, Mondays and Thursdays on The Grizz. I will talk to you again on Thursday. I'll have another edition of the Roberts Rankings, my top 10 poll for the National Football League. Looking forward to the Eagles and Colts in Indy tonight. Thanks for tuning in. This has been episode number 315. I'm Paul Roberts on grizzlyproductions.tv.